Hi, I'm Shane Leonage, and you're listening to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm your host, Fabio Molle, and every week I try to speak to people working at the highest level of tennis, from players, coaches, trainers, data analysts, and more. This week I speak to data analyst Shane Leonage, who owns data-driven sports analytics. Shane works with pros such as Ons Jabur, Irina Sabalenka, Emil Rusevari, and more. He tells us how he came from a finance background into the tennis data role and talks about how he works with players, what services he offers them, how he differentiates himself from other data analysts, working with juniors, and things he's seen in the last couple of years that's changed in tennis and data in tennis. Enjoy the chat, and like that analytics, we've had two well-known and respected analysts working with top players on the show before, Mike James and Craig O'Shaughnessy. You can go to functionaltennis.com forward slash podcast, we can quickly load the episode. Before we get started, shout out to our podcast sponsor, Slinger, who make the awesome portable ball machine, the Slinger Bag. Head off to slingerbag.com to check it out. And if you have any questions about it, feel free to contact me anytime. Finally, if you enjoyed the episode, please share it to fellow tennis enthusiasts. Here's Shane. Hi, Shane. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. How are you? I'm well, mate. I'm well. Uh, it was great to catch up with you in, in Paris, but uh, good to see you again. Yeah, no, it was long overdue. And it was great because at least I can add a bit more context to this conversation that, you know, we don't get to meet everybody in person beforehand. And when you find when you do, it's, I find they're better conversations because you just know a little bit more. Or sometimes you may know somebody who knows them really well and that helps. And so, so little things make a difference. But excited to have you on. I know data analytics is such a big thing at the moment. We did have Mike James on before and Craig O'Shaughnessy on before. So things have changed. That was like maybe two and a half years ago, a year and a half ago. So I'm sure it'd be interesting to see what's changed in the game of data analytics. Uh, also, also to find out exactly what you do, how you got into it and who you're working with and a bit of feedback on Roland Garros and looking forward to Wimbledon. So let's get straight into it. Maybe you can tell us a bit about where you're from and how you got into the whole data analytics and if you have a tennis background. Yeah, look, I've got a bit of a circuitous story to, to get into into tennis analytics, but yeah, my background, I actually studied commerce and law. Grew up in Melbourne, uh, Victoria, Melbourne in Australia. And um, yeah, so I, I was a, a lawyer originally um, after university and I did have a commerce degree as well, and, and that's where I guess the number statistics side sort of kind of lived dormant in me for a couple of years. But yeah, slowly I, I, I sort of ended up doing a lot of financial and, and, and number and data crunching work in, in, in sort of legal roles and eventually transitioned into more sort of data roles, and, and I knew I needed to upskill myself, so I went back, got a data science qualification, um, and, and recently I actually went in and specialised even further and got a sports analytics master's, um, which is basically a data science degree in sports. And yeah, and in terms of my background in uh, tennis, I, I did play I, uh, up until 14, 15. Um, I wouldn't say I was a great player, but I, I did play a lot of t- junior tournaments. Um, I felt sorry for my parents who would drive me around and I'd get <laughs> lose in the first two rounds, but uh, that was that was my juniors. And, um, and I guess it rekindled my love affair whilst I was at uni. I was playing uh, a lot of tennis um, when I was doing uni in Canberra, a lot of tournaments there and and I, and I think I played at a reasonable level, played Australian money tour level, um, obviously not talented enough to go much further, but 
yeah, I played a little bit and I coached part time to to get some extra funds at university and and that's that's sort of how I, yeah I've sort of been, maintained a little bit of the relationship with tennis over the time. You understand the game, so which always helps. You know the pressures of it and the various score, everything, and. When did you move into tennis analytics? Did you do cricket before? Yeah, that, that, that's right. So I was in data roles for maybe a decade. Um, I worked in health, transport, and uh, and finance sectors, and and I was seeing that I was working with subject matter experts in those domains where I, I wouldn't be a, an expert. I was working with doctors. There's no way I could do what they were doing. But I was bringing data and 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 working with them, and we were coming up with you know dashboards and tools to help them make decisions. And I was like, well. I can apply this to sport. I can apply this to tennis where I've got a, a little bit of a background understanding and a passion. And, and it wasn't naturally easy to sort of transition. Um, you, you kind of, uh, I started data-driven sports analytics and uh, and I did that part-time and I guess I wasn't getting a lot of clients. Um, and at the same time, I applied for a role in Cricket Australia. So I got, got the analytics role there and, and I, I was there a couple of years, became the analytics lead, largely working with operational data, so trying to grow the game, so seeing where we can target okay. and get more players into cricket and then hopefully have, having a funnel where we can identify talent going into high performance. So that was sort of my role at cricket. Did a little bit of work with the indoor cricket team and a little bit of work with the intellectually disabled and vision impaired teams, which is really cool, bringing data to them for the very first time. Um, yeah, and then a, a coach, uh, a number of coaches sort of reached out to me and asked, well, can we do a little bit in tennis? And I was very fortunate. I think it was Federico Plastadilli, the first coach with a player on the ATP tour. He reached out to me in uh, the start of 2019. And that was with Thomas Fabiano. Um, and that was where I sort of got introduced to well, doing work with tour players and um yeah we worked together at the australian open for, for basically the whole year that that year and he yeah and he had some really good results i think the win over Sitsipas at, at wimbledon and the win over dominic team at the us open and and i feel like that got my name out there and 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 since then other other coaches have reached out nice so two things there that stand out is one it seems like it's a bit easier going into that sort of so setting yourself up if you've experienced or you work already for a federation or, you know, sports specific where then you can branch out. You can do a bit in your spare time. And two, it helps if you do your job and the player gets the results that gets you traffic to your phone number. Yeah, look, there's there's luck, right? There's an element of luck. So F- Federico met with me in Auckland before the Australian Open and he'd, I think Fabiano just lost in qualifying. Um, and then we just said, Let, let's try it out at the Australian Open. And, you know, he won two rounds. They got to the third round, which is a great result. And then I, I wouldn't, if, if I, you know, I think we played a little bit of a role, but I don't think we played mm. as much of a role as we did later on. And I think, but the, the result itself just, I think, motivated the player, motivated the coach. And and and, and I guess there, there's always luck, luck involved in this as well. And often at that level, one thing can make a huge difference. Just one little thing. And it could have been something you said to him, or maybe it wasn't, but there's a confidence going in that he knows more information. He probably just backs himself a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And who are you working with as of now? I know in in Paris, you're telling me you're working with Ons Jabour. Obviously, you work with some juniors with the Australian Tennis Federation. Uh, Emil Rusevari, were you working with him? That's right, yeah. Who else? Anybody else? Yeah, we're working, I think, the, on the WTA side, the two two main players we're working with, Ons Jabur. So, uh, Issam Jalali, I think, started 2020, uh, yeah, reached out to me and we've collaborated for well, it's over three years now. So, 
uh, it's great to see the progress he's made, um, some significant gains, I think, over that time. And um, and I, I can't speak highly enough of him as a coach, the way he's brought me in. Data wasn't something he was comfortable with. Uh, he brought me in and he sort of drip-fed it to, to Ons and, and, uh, and you know, the whole team's involved as well, Karim, who's Ons' partner and also uh, trainer and physio. Um, so the, they've sort of brought Data in in a small way and then they've expanded, expanded, expanded. And it's great to see what they've done across the board. And uh, the other, the main female player that we're working with is Irina Zabalenka. Um, okay. So I think it was the start of 2021. Um, Anton Dubrov, the coach, I was introduced to him through uh, another great coach, Mark Safoulis. And, and yeah, we've been working with arena she uh you know had a great 2021 um some of the results this year i think you know she's up and down a little bit but i i'm confident that she can sort of rediscover that form as well um and she, she made a couple of finals recently so i think she's she's sort of on the way back then on the atp side emil ruzavori again i think we started in 2021 at the start of the year and uh yeah with federico ricci there's another great coach uh, i've had i've got a i've had a relationship with tennis finland for some time um they they've got a a device similar to hawkeye it's a smart court that does AI sort of ball tracking uh, Zenis and, and I, I was helping them out for a couple of years and uh, Tennis Finland's obviously heavily involved in that and then yeah through those connections they introduced me to Emil's team and we've been working uh, together for this is our second year uh, full-time together so um, yeah it's again another another great player who's making sort of progress um, yeah he, he was playing great on the hard courts and I think the focus was to really improve on the on the clay and the grass and I'm, I'm really happy for him that his clay season was the best he's ever had he's also started the grass season really well so some some really positive moves and and and, and I'm hoping to see that sort of um, go further uh, Tara Daniel we started working with him um, with Zven um, and then uh, he wasn't with a coach for a while so that was a little bit different working directly with a player um, but that was really good for me to get that experience and learning again to, to distill the information in a different way to a different audience uh, to someone that needed who's very smart but needed the information uh, simply um and and yeah so uh, i guess i've developed a little bit uh, with, with working with i guess a, a whole whole different range of clients I, I think it's great to be able to work with the player directly as well because you pick up bits of information that if you're working directly with a coach or the trainer you won't get and with let's say with arena with ons with emil do you work the same way with them or is they all different yeah all very different uh, all very different that's probably i guess the introductory period when you you, you start with them you, you my role is to sort of suss that out a little bit to 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 maybe test a little bit of what i can give them and what i can't give them how to communicate it, it helps being at tournament with them because you can get that instant feedback and see i guess the, the facial expressions and, and 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 sort of gauge that way but over time, I think we've, uh, yeah, they've all got a very, very distinct product. Um, so, uh, you know, if Arena was playing a particular player um, and Ons was putting to play the exact same player, the, the two reports and the vision and, and, and the information that they get is different. And that's that's because they're, they're very different players and they get the information different. They'll apply it in practice differently. And uh, and that's important for me to know and, and my team to make sure that those differences are sort of made uh, in, in the reports and the analysis. And has Arena played ons yet? Uh, were you working for both of them? Yeah, uh, they, they've played a few times. Uh, the big one that they played was at Wimbledon in the quarterfinals last year. So that was um, an interesting one. Um, yeah, we, we have a, a process around managing when two of our players play. So I gave the option to both coaches. I, I could get 
two different analysts in my team and they both have access to the information. They both prepare reports and, and provide it separately. I gave them that option, but they both actually elected for me to still be the lead analyst for that. And and they both wanted to see the report that was given to the other side immediately after the match was finished. So they both actually had a look at it, which is which is good. Which is a which is I guess the way that they were happy to manage the process. What we provide them is one thing. There's a whole a lot going in, so d- data alone isn't going to be the the the, the, the outcome of the match, and they, they both understand that. Actually, they've got a really good relationship, Anton and Isam. So they made it easy for me, I think, though, um, when they play each other. And who won? Uh, Arena won that one. Yeah, great match. One one of one of the best matches Arena's played uh, certainly in 2021. I, I rate that very highly, and Ons was playing really well on grass that that year as well. So um, yeah. It was a great match, I thought. Um, uh, but yeah, Arena was certainly the better player. And obviously, uh, I you were at Roland Garros. I don't think you're going to Wimbledon. You may correct me. What you say you can get constant feedback, look at facial expressions from the players and the team. But one, how often do you meet them when you're at the tournaments? And two, is it okay not to be there? Yeah, look, I, I think being there has has a lot of advantages so one example was uh, i was w- with one of the players and in the last month or so the serve didn't feel right to them or the coach and so i was there and and i, I took vision of them sort of serving in, in practice matches and then i immediately relayed back i've got some high performance coaches working on my team um so they just had a look at the vision uh used uh you know some a- annotation tools and, and they basically broke down the serve and uh, and areas where you could do some changes in the short term and get a, a get a gain and, and and I guess longer term what to look at and that that was something that had I not been there I don't think the coach or the player would have communicated that and 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 we would have sort of let that go for, for some time but yeah and and just even, even when like we give a plan or a report just to be there and discuss it and the coach might go yeah I'm seeing that can you quickly get me that and then th- those things I think with the time difference as well are a little bit more challenging when I'm away. But there's some pros as well being away. Uh, I have access to a much more powerful computer um, in my office and and access to, you know, all, all the tools at my disposal that I can quickly get some information out there. I know my team team are also in different time zones. So, you know, having someone in the Australian time zone actually helps because if a match is finished, uh, the players and coaches are sleeping, we can churn out some work in the Australian time zone. When they wake up, it's ready. Like there, there are some pros uh, having someone in the Australian time zone. But yeah, I think if, if you weighed it all up, I think it, it is better to be there with the players and coaches. And this is going out the first Tuesday Wimbledon. So are you at Wimbledon today or not? No, no. There, there is a chance in the second week that, that I'll be there. And that's subject to if I, I need to, to be there for some of the clients, the juniors. Um, but at this stage, I, I, I suspect I'll be doing doing Wimbledon from from Melbourne again. And you work with juniors as well. Is the process the exact same? I, I would say it's different. I, I think the focus for juniors is largely on themselves and developing themselves um, with the, the seniors or the pro tour players already. Um, I, I would break down analysis into three categories. So when you've got a longer ter- uh, period of time, like an off-season, it's very much on the player when you're going into a tournament, you're probably looking at a few little things, the, the data to, to, to change for like a Wimbledon in the week, two weeks before we'd look at a few things that you can action uh, leading up to it. And then you, when you're in a tournament, you're scouting your opponents. I think with the juniors, it's even in a tournament like Wimbledon, you, you do a little bit of scouting of the opponent, but it's still a lot more about 
the players' habits, processes. Uh, I mean, my philosophy and, and a lot of the coaches that I work with, we're trying to build these players for the long term. Yes, the immediate success is great, but winning in juniors is not the same as sort of having a successful career as a senior player. And and mm-hmm. and, and I think the data should be playing a role as well, a longer term role with them, for sure. Interesting. This podcast is brought to you by ASICS Tennis. ASICS is a Japanese company founded in 1949 with the purpose of giving more people the opportunity to experience how sport and movement can have a positive impact on mental well-being. That purpose is also in their name. ASICS is an acronym which means Anime Sano Incorporate Sano, a Latin phrase meaning sound mind, sound body. Today, the brand is still dedicated to that founding belief of demonstrating the positive effects sport and movement can have on our mental well-being all over the the world. They just launched their most innovative tennis range ever, which includes the new Court FF3 Novak, the shoe designed from the ground up with the help of Novak Djokovic. Get your pair now at asics.com. And let's say I'm a new player, let's say senior player, I'm a top 30 player. I give you a call, Shane. And how do you begin working with a player? So do you meet them on site, first of all, or what exactly goes on there when you start working with guys and girls? Yeah, look, it'd be great to meet them on, on site, but uh, usually it would be a Zoom call. We'd just chat through, uh, try, and, try and suss out what, what they're actually aiming for. Um, so what, what I mean by that is, you know, do they just want some insights going into matches on their opponents or the, do they want to actually go, look, I'm not sure where my game's at or what are my strengths, my opportunities, weaknesses. Um, so tr- try and suss that out and and then... You know, depending on what it is, uh, we we have a lot of different products ranging from sort of video analysis, uh, so tagging opponents, to deep dive reports on the player, where we would get you know thirty to forty matches of their data, run it through our tracking system, and then you know produce a report which gives them a breakdown of their strengths and weaknesses, and and you know short, medium, long term sort of areas we think they should focus on uh, and then everything in between. So, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of players have come come and asked me about, you know, ball toss. So we've actually run that through and and looked at, I guess, where, you know, you know the ball toss and, and the outcomes from that and, you know, the success ratios and, and w- what happens under pressure. So it can be a very bespoke analysis on something like that or it could be uh, we've done your know, movement-related analysis. So, yeah, it's really sussing out what they need mm. um, and then, and trying to, to build a product or service that will help them sort of get that answer that they're, they're looking for. So everybody's bespoke. Uh, absolutely. I, I, I think that's maybe a point of difference that I was big on um, at the start. Um, and, and, and certainly my background in sort of data roles, we didn't go and sort of buy an off-the-shelf product. We work through, work out a scope of work depending on the requirements and of whatever client. And I think that's that's something I brought into Satenis. I'm big on trying to make something fit for the team as opposed to them fit to me. Yeah, very bespoke, I think. Yeah, it sounds like you're doing more than what I thought you did. You know, sometimes you just think, people think that analytics is just, oh, where did the forehand go? How many serves did he miss? What's he doing? The forehand goes here. Those sort of patterns. But you, you seem to do a lot more than that. What sort of team do you have? So I've got a couple of um, analysts and data scientists um, and a data engineer, and they're probably the the grunt in terms of the the analytics side. And then uh, on on top of them, I I have um, some high performance coaches, and and what they do, I would say they provide the context around a lot of the analysis. 
and and any of the deep dives, I I make sure that there's a coach that reads through it. Any of the recommendations, I I I, I want a coach that's you know ha- had experience coaching players at this level, communicating to to the players. Um, I think it's really important in those reports because. Um, uh, data people and, and me included, uh, I think we can be blunt sometimes and, and, and the message, even though it's right, it can be delivered in a way that could be a deterrent or or not not maybe uh, something as, you know, the players would be receptive to. So it's it's really important to have that bounce that with the coach and, and it's, it's the same as well. The coach might drive, they might look at the vision and go, you know what, Shane, I think if we can get some data on this, this could make this analysis even better. So I think we, uh, yeah, bringing those high-performance coaches in is really important. I've got a couple that are in-house in DDSA and then I also uh, reach out to some great, you know, third-party or private coaches yeah. as well. When, whenever I think I, I need a specific coach, I'll go go I go out to them. So good examples, I had to do a, an analysis on a left-handed player and, and uh, you know, they were 400, 500 in the world and I actually – uh, have a good relationship with a coach on tour who coaches a, a left-handed player in the top 50. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just said, look, do you want to be involved in it? I have a left-handed player. It's not going to be a conflict with your player that probably won't play maybe in the next couple of years. But, yeah, and they, they reached out and, you know, obviously that that was great to have a different lens, someone that had worked with a lefty, uh, was a lefty themselves. It was, uh, yeah, re- really, uh, I thought it, it added some uh, extra value to that report. Nice. Uh, that's It's quite interesting. How do you then price for a service like this where a player may not be paying maybe playing uh, qualies, maybe get to the first round, may get to the final. And it's it's quite a, I think it's, it's a tough one to price. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. And, and I'll be honest, I think at the start, I probably got it wrong, uh, underpriced a lot, but uh, we, we've sort of moved to a, a, a three different approaches. So you got to pay as you go. So there's certain products where it is standalone prices, like video tagging. We have a pretty set price there, uh, whether you go with a CISA or a Dartfish you know the prices are, are are pretty standard um and then some of the reports i think for the basic report they're standard and then you know additional analysis on top of that would cost a bit more and this is where we'd we'd obviously have a chat with the player and go what what do you really want and and if they say oh we actually want these things as well then then obviously we would we would we'd charge for, for that that that's i guess a pay as you go and then there's the other one annual packages so players the, the bigger players will pay for you know we're going to work with you for 12 months um, and they'll they'll want their all their matches scouted. They'll want a couple of deep dives, usually going into preseason and, and usually after the Wimbledon period, just a yeah, bit of a deep dive on their game, areas for them to focus on. They'll want all their matches scouted, all the, the video from their matches tagged, uh, and then the coaches will have some ad hoc requests. I think there's about three or four included in the package. And, yeah, so that they pay an annual fee and they get all of that. So the bigger players can probably afford that. And then the, the last one, which we've just introduced this year, is a, a percentage of a prize money. So, yeah, if a player can't afford to pay for, for something, I guess now that, that we can sort of do a percentage of prize money, and 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 that can be something that we you know collect in three you know after three months, six months, or whatever we agree with the player. But uh, we, we try and give a number of different options and uh, for, for the players to. To, to use this tool and um, and and make it affordable for them as well. Do the big guys and girls do they take that offer? I don't. I I wouldn't say they do now. The bigger players go with the annual package. I think the percentage of prize money one 
it, it would be nice. So I won't lie because some of that would be good. But uh, I think the, it, it's usually the, the the more junior players or the the ones that are coming up or you know a lower rank that they, they will go for that that option because I think if there's no success, then they're not paying anything. So uh, I guess that's that would be the carrot um, for them. But um, yeah. you know, obviously, we're going to work hard to try and get them to win. Um, so um, that's our driver. You probably have to be careful who you pick as well. You got to see potential in them yeah and i think that's that's something um so initially at bdsa we were trying to work with everyone but i think in the last certainly six to eight months we've we've moved away from that so we like to have a chat with the coaches and meet with them and and see if there's likely to be a good connection obviously we we try and build to the team but there's there's some situations where we go you know what we don't think we could actually make a difference or help you know as well as much as it's for the player it's it's our brand as well and if we feel like we're going to work with a player that's not going to apply themselves and it, it does tarnish a little bit of for our reputation and um so we we, we want to know that we're we'll be respected in that team we'll be you know someone that they'll value and and if that's the case then absolutely we, we will try and make it work somehow great i'm not sure if you can tell me this but what is the rough cost for a top player to have your services for a year can I guess, by the way? Or yeah, yeah, go, go, guess. Yep. I'm thinking between fifty and eighty thousand dollars. No, we're we're cheaper than that. Um, but yeah, it's, okay. uh, it ranges. So the annual packages as well have a, a different sort of range. So the most basic one is fifteen thousand a year. You know, they get I think two videos uh, of an opponent. So there's some minimums there, and and they they'll get some yeah. annual reports, and then. All the way at the top end of the spectrum, we're charging sixty thousand, and then they get the bells and whistles. They get a number of detail reports. They get sort of quarterly reports. They get a lot of ad hoc reports that they want, and and basically that they'll have an analyst analyst dedicated to them at the at the slams and and the bigger events. So you know all their work gets sort of processed really quickly. But yeah, there's nice. there's different you know ranges probably from fifteen thousand to sixty thousand in terms of the annual packages. When you think these guys are. Look, they want to win slams. That's what they're there for, winning tournaments. So it's not really a lot for them. Uh, it's a lot for somebody, obviously, 200 and plus or even 100, maybe even 50, 60 plus. It's a lot of money. But if you're working with the top end, they're winning. They're trying to win slams. So it's a good expense to have. And just also, this something completely from Roland Garros. Did you pick up anything, anything sticking out? Like what's... Two questions here. What's changed in the game over the past couple of years and what's changed in data analytics in the past couple of years? Yeah, in, t- in terms of the game, uh, and, uh, and I think I was probably a little bit more observing the women's game actually um, at Roland Garros. Obviously, Nadal's win was amazing, but uh, in the women's game, uh, I'm seeing a trend where there are more WTA players with better forehands. They're hitting a heavier. They're actually playing a bit more of a width game, so they're opening up the angles better. And that's something that I, the, the trend has started happening. But I think, uh, yeah, I just saw more players that are much more capable with the forehand. I think traditionally in the women's game, they're very strong through the hips, so very good backhands. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think that that's something I saw. And then the variety, obviously, the drop shot's something the last couple of years. But I, I felt like again this year, the drop shot was such a such a, a weapon for on both the men's and women's uh, on the clay and. Um, yeah, that was something I saw, and in the in the data space, yeah, look, I think there's just more players, uh, more sort of people doing it. So yeah, you, you raised Mike James. I actually caught up with him a number of times. So yeah, great to see what he's doing at uh, Moratoglu Analytics. Uh, caught up with Fabrice Savaro, a Swiss guy, sort of doing this. I know Craig O'Shaughnessy was there as well. 
Uh, there was uh, Thimakolas Iosafides, um, name dropping all these guys, but uh, yeah, they're, they're all they're all doing great work with their respective clients. And uh, for me, it's actually it was it was heartening seeing you know other people in the same field doing well. Obviously, we're competing with each other a little bit for clients, but um, mm. I always feel there's there's plenty of fish in the sea, and uh, and if we're we're all collectively doing a good job, it's actually enhancing our profession we're all different we've got different skill sets and backgrounds and and the way we've sort of approached dealing with clients uh, yeah. i'm sure there's some you know pros and cons to everyone's approach but i, I think if collectively we're, we're all doing a reasonable job it means other people are going to to want to look at you know bringing data into the game and i and i truly believe you know you evidence-backed um training and and practice and scouting is 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 important um um so yeah uh, I'm really happy to see that it's sort of grown grown a lot in the last couple of years. Yeah, that hopefully continues to grow. And we leave it with Wimbledon now. Who, obviously, you may, I know who you have to say for the for the ladies game, but who's your pick for the ladies and the, and the men's? For the, for the women's, I, you know, I'm hoping on, I think that they've done the work. Um, Again, great, great win uh, yesterday, um, which I think, um, again, obviously unfortunate Belinda rolled her ankle, but but I felt Ons was playing great tennis the whole week. So, uh, yeah, great for her to do that. Obviously, Eager's going to go in with um, a lot of confidence. So uh, I hope Ons uh, on, the, on the men's side. Yeah, look, no- Novak. Again, has to start favourite, um, but you know Berrettini, Hercas, uh, uh, even Chilich, I think. Their their levels are, are are pretty good. I think their grass, you know, the last couple of tournaments are showing that they're they're going to be round round, round about there. Felix Auger Aliasim, um, again, great grass court player, and I think he's been taking steps on all surfaces really in the last twelve months. And I think again, Wimbledon will be a good opportunity for him. Uh, hopefully, he gets a good draw. Nadal again, I think gets through the opening few rounds i think that's that's the trickiest part for him on grass um he doesn't like i think the the fresh grass i think it's a bit slipperier for him um if you can get through that opening week yeah he's going to be dangerous i think it, it it'll take a, a really good player to beat him i haven't given you one one pick but i, I think there's a there's no. a few on the men's <laughs> side that uh, i'd be looking out for yeah, men's look exciting because I said those guys have improved a lot. Like even Chillage, like he's just been playing unbelievable lately. So that's that's going to be exciting. But uh, Shane, thank you very much for jumping on. I hope I see you at some other slam probably next year, not this year. But thanks a lot. No, thanks for having me. Great to 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 meet you uh, at Roland Garros, and um, and yeah, obviously more more than welcome to to um, yeah, catch up with you next time we see. Hopefully you're uh, you're in Australia at some time as well. Hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want to know more about Dana Analyst, head over to functionaltennis.com forward slash podcast. We've two other great chats with Data Analyst, Craig O'Shaughnessy and Mike James. Until next week, goodbye.